Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. The K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses, and we're going to talk about them here for a second, starting with my friends Peter and Nikki from AxeCaps.com. If you're in the market for some quality apparel, what about direct-to-garment printing? Are you looking to bring your own brand out to the world? Well, go check out AxeCaps.com today. Peter and Nikki will be sure to take care of you. Also, Ian Sargent from South Florida at SGT Firebags. That's SargentFirebags, SGTFirebags.com. If you're in the market for a wash radio strap or a clean gear bag to protect you from the carcinogens out there reduce that risk of cancer exposure guess what sgt firebags has you covered use can man for 10 percent off and my brother herb tyler from nrc or national rescue consultants if you're looking to get usar educated from some of the best out there go check out my brother herb tyler at nrc.com that's national rescue consultants Hey, canners, it's time for 30 minutes of unadulterated and uncensored shenanigans. Get ready to call HR because you're going to need sensitivity training after this. Gear up because it's going to hurt worse than writ training in July. Welcome to the Can Man Radio Show with your host, Jason Liska. Welcome back to another great episode of the K-Man Radio Show. Still in Weirsdale, still sitting in the studio. That was once my son's bedroom, which is the Florida room slash studio slash computer room slash view of the lake slash whatever you want it to be here because in isolation, it's the Imaginarium. How about that? So today, we've had a lot of awesome visitors previous to today, but today I want to take a moment here. We're going to introduce him in just a moment, but you're going to hear some interesting uh, sound bites that might lead into exactly who we have visiting us today for the show. So I don't know, maybe if you guys just give it a listen, let's see what we got. Welcome back to National Geographic's Fire Department Edition. Very, very exciting today. I've actually had used my personal camera to record this because we've come across a very rare sight, a paramedic. Today, we were looking for the paramedic doing its normal mating call, which is bitching. Yellow! Oh, is this telefirefighting? Uh, yes, sir, you've reached telefirefighting, where our motto is, if we can't help you put it out, we'll send you the best marshmallows to help you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, we're extremely excited to announce that after a five-year super intense study, we have finally mapped out the first responder's brain. 
Now, one of the first things that we notice is with most people, they have something called cerebral spinal fluid flowing around their brain, keeping it nice and cushy. But with first responders, it's just a constant flow of coffee and other caffeinated liquids. On this episode of Live EMS. We got a uh, patient in cardiac arrest. Apparently the family's been doing CPR for the last 15 minutes. If you guys haven't figured it already, just based on that Australian accent, which, by the way, the first time I ever speak to this guy on the phone, I hear, hello? And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Where, where's the accent? Where's the accent? Welcome. Welcome, my brother, Jason Patton from Fire Department Chronicles to the K-Man Radio Show. What's up, brother? Actually, getting rid of that accent was one of the greatest things I ever did. I mean, it, uh, no, you got to share why, because there, there's a hell of a lot of history behind that accent, behind uh, the the original start, yeah. you know, National Geographic Fire Department edition, if I remember correctly. And now we're at Fire Department Chronicles. So give us a little history on all that. Yeah. Yeah. So it started off with uh, National Geographic's Fire Department edition and um, having a great time and, you know, where I was hunting for the Italian chief and I had a horrible accent that was associated with it. In fact, uh, with, um, with the funniest part was is I would watch people comment on the videos and Australians would be like, well, he's not from Australia. And then be, they would be, he must be from South Africa. South Africans would be like, he's, he's definitely not from South Africa. And then the, the UK and the British people would come and they're like, we don't know where he's from. <laughs> um, where are you expatriated so I, from? <laughs> Yeah, like you know, we can figure it out, man. So, uh, the funniest part was I get hit up by, um, I got a cease and desist letter from National Geographic. So oh, they yeah. were like, not, they're like, that's enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> you need to calm uh, it down a little were, bit. Yeah, they were super cool about the whole thing. I mean, I understood what was happening. In, in the end, they were actually super cool about it. But uh, I uh, had to branch into or recreate it, and we did Fire Department Chronicles, and uh, and it ended up, I just had to slowly fade out the accent. Because you know what? That I, Every time I met somebody, or every time I would meet somebody, I'd say, hey, how are you? They'd be like, wait, 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 wait. Where's the accent? I'm like, oh, I'm actually from Florida. I had one guy that was like, screw this! And I just walked away. <laughs> the, my attractiveness went down by 60% with women right, right when they found out that I was not, so, not from anywhere exotic. So the, the bald head wasn't enough. It had to be with the Australian accent in order to make it happen. Mm, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's something about accents. People are like, ooh, you're so sexy. Oh. My God. Oh, Mr. Bond, I swear. <laughs> so, man, I'll tell you what, you've come a long way since writing, uh, since creating that first video. And, you know, a lot of your, your videos started out with just parodies about just little things in the fire service, like the first clip, mm -hmm. you know, that I shared about the, the, the finding of the paramedic, which, you know, I can identify with 100% as a paramedic myself. <laughs> but you've evolved in a lot of ways. You've almost made them like live action in a sense. You've incorporated some current media out there like live PD and made it live yeah. EMS. And, and, you know, what, what got you to that point? I mean, you, you have to have a little bit of background on this or, you, you know, you saw something. So what triggered you to get to this point? Dude, it's funny because hey, as you're playing that, that really did run the gamut of what I've done, like with all the videos and stuff. And nothing specifically got me here. You know, I just well, I started making the videos just because just I wanted to make videos. I wanted to, uh, you know, share some comedic content that I assumed that people – in my uh, field would relate to and find funny. Cause that's, I think that's what comedy is in general. It's always sure. what relatable humor is to you kind of thing. There's certain sex of humor that I don't find funny, but I know to other people they do. So um, 
no, it, it just, it, it evolved over time. And I honestly, God think that one of the greatest things that happened to me, and I think it's a lesson in life for a lot of people is I thought everything was done when national geographic sent me that season to assist. I was really? like, Holy, this is it. Like everything's done. Like, because my entire thing was built off of being, you know, the Steve Irwin, Irwin of firefighters. Mm -hmm. So um, when I got that, I was like, I don't know what we're going to do from here, man. But it was probably one of the greater things, dude, because it made me go outside of that. And then at some point in time, my fire chief was like, hey, no more, man, you're done. And it made me stop filming at work. So I had to go and learn how to film other stuff. And that's where the NREMT one came, yeah. the what EMTs say, like all that stuff came from things that I thought were going to be the end, the end of, of me filming. Well, let's throw in the challenges. Okay. Let's talk about some of the yeah. crazy challenges you've done. I, there was a hot sauce challenge. If I remember correctly, enlighten me, Re yeah. reinvigorate my memory here on some of your challenges. Cause they, they brought some smiles to faces across this country <laughs> and this world. Okay. You know, like the early, the, the late stage of jackass. So I'm assuming maybe you got some of those thoughts. Well, if jackass can do it, Jason Patton can do it too. Something along those lines. Yeah, I'm like, I'm as dumb as they are. So that I mean, sure worked out well. We are, uh, we, we are firemen to some degree. We have a level of dumbness inside of us. Do yeah. we not? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I saw these people doing these little challenges and stuff. And I was like, you know what, man? Let's, uh, let's open it up. Let's see what people will send to me. Or I wanted, I wanted, because I've always had the reins of it's always been, what do I want to film? But I was like, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's give everyone else the reins. Let's see what they want to do. And uh, it was a very poor choice of mine because uh, <laughs> I uh, I hate I hate sir strummings, which is the smelliest fish on the face of the planet. That was horrible. Um, and then I I did Vegemites. I ate a big thing of Vegemite. Oh. That was not yeah. You know what? Vegemite in a in a soup would be good. It's right? in the song like right soup. now. The song is in my head. Yeah. Eating a Vegemite <laughs> sandwich. Okay, men at work. Classic eighties. Man, I am. Yeah, no, thank you, bro. Oh, yuck. Uh, so, yeah, we, then we did um, Shock Color Trivia, which was a blast. Um, <laughs> I remember that, that was video. not. Oh, my God, it was so bad. Hey, um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's been it, interesting. You've incorporated a lot of different people uh, over the course of the last three years into your videos. Uh, you've had Julie Dudley, who's a well-known firefighter and mm -hmm. fitness enthusiast. Uh, she's been on mm -hmm. uh, NBC, uh, that rock mm -hmm. show that went on last yep. year, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, they had the Titan Games. The Titan the Games. There you go. You stirred yep. my memory yet again. And then, of course, <laughs> Officer uh, uh, Mike, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mike, uh, well, Officer Daniels, or, yep. uh, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Officer Smith. Yes, uh, yes. Yep, yep. And so you've done different things with them. You've gone back to Chicago. You've linked mm -hmm. up with, uh, you know, of course, Fire Department Coffee, which we'll get into in a moment. Yep. But, you know, my good friend Kevin, who, you know, has been in a couple of your videos as well up there. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then on top of that, uh, you know, some of the videos you've done with uh, uh, Firefighter Fenton. That was yes. uh, th those were some of the best videos I've seen out there. How did you mm -hmm. find that these these guys wanted to collaborate? Did they reach out to you, or was it vice versa, or was it just oh we found each other? It's time to make this happen. Yeah, it's kind of like you see them on the internet. You you know you see them on the internet. You see what they're doing. You know, so for a lot of people in in uh, in life, I think especially for this kind of stuff collaboration is a huge thing because you always want to you always want to expand outside of what you normally do sure. so if i just do firefighter videos then i should try to link up with a cop or something like that to kind of switch it up a little bit um and the other thing is is that i was talking to some people the other day you know 
everyone's quote unquote fame, not that I think I have fame in this, but everyone's relevance will say everyone's relevance is fleeting. Like you are very relevant in this moment, but you know, one year from now, you may not even exist in people's, uh, you know, uh, vocabulary. Anymore. Oh, absolutely. So it's always, it's always important to say like, Hey, someone reaches out to you. They want to do a video. Let's do it. That kind of thing. Um, so yeah. The, and thankfully a lot of them have been very open and willing to do some stuff. In fact, I'm, in conversations with um, a couple uh, decently known first responders. And I think we are going to try to create the first first responder TV show made by first responders for first responders. Oh, I love it. I love it. So can the mustache get on that? And listen, you got to put at least one I'm episode sure, with the mustache I'm, on it. Okay. I'm sure we can. Yeah, right, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. And you're also an accomplished <laughs> speaker as well. I mean, you have traveled the speaker circuit. You've gone to several events. I know you've, uh, you've mm -hmm. gone out and, and, and uh, brought your, your best, your a game four to many different groups out there across our country. Let's talk about that for a second. What, who are some of the groups you're talking to? What are some of the, the things you like to discuss when you go out on the speaking circuit? So it was funny because when I was, when I, I would, the first time I was ever asked to speak was from a, uh, a college that wanted me to do a little speaking for them. And it was a local college and I'd never done it before. I was doing a, a, um, keynote speech. Um, but you know, when they reached out to me, I was like, absolutely. I'll do it. No problem. I'd never done it before. I put a little speech together as he's like, I'm like, how long do you want this to be? He said like eight minutes. I'm like, perfect. But right, right about my attention span. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I put the speech together, did it. It went, it went decently. Um, and, um, how you would expect any first time speech to go. Sure. And then, um, when I posted that, I got a ton of people reach out to me and I ended up booking like five or six more speeches. And, yeah. uh, most of them are at graduations or, or, um, uh, conferences, small conferences. I go there and speak, but you know, um, I, I try to, incorporate my uh, knowledge of what I've seen um, with a little bit of uh, advice for future medics and future firefighters because it tends to be a younger group. Sure, but I always sure. try to keep some humor to it because I think, you know, a lot of people get up there and, and, and that's just what their circuit is, man. They're serious. It's all about training. It's all about this, you know, this, the same things that a lot of people talk about. And I always want to just be slightly different because people uh, if, if you hear the same rhetoric constantly, you're eventually not going to care about that anymore. So I try to just adjust the same information, but just tweak it a little bit and make it a little more exciting. Well, you definitely tweak it. And uh, talking about traveling circuits, uh, you know, you are very well involved and invested in fire department coffee. And one of the things I really loved before we actually had our first conversation was the amount of traveling you did going to fire stations across the East coast, uh, South of mm. uh, the Bible belt, if you want to call it all around you. I mean, you would travel several hours, 10, 12 hours in some cases, just to go drop off coffee to firehouses. And that, right. that obviously not many people would want to do that. And it wasn't just the fire department coffee branding. It was just something that you are, you're a very social creature. And I noticed that when you do your videos or when I've been with you in public forums, you know, where you're around groups of people and they all collaborate around you, you, you work your magic in those circumstances and, and you're just engaging and magnetic but that aspect really just it, it made my day because you know coffee is a very sacred thing to the fire service and, and there's no ifs oh, ands yeah. or buts about that and I'd be remiss 
if I didn't mention the the thing you did for Houston, uh, the firefighters in Houston when they were going through and are still going through uh, their issues. And I follow that very closely and I try to keep up on the posts and what's going on in that department. You know, one of the biggest departments in the country, uh, you know, they're facing some of the greatest economic uh, issues, uh, mayor, the tyrannical government. I've used that word tyrannical now three times in three different podcasts. So I'm just going to keep going with it. Okay, Jay. But you, you, you stepped up with your brand, you stepped up with your messaging, and you really do give a damn about firefighters. You really do love being a part of this profession. I, I, I give a damn about people. You know, I, I care. I just think that in general, like you should give a shit about other humans, you know, and, and, and look, there are always times in our life where we're going to have to be selfish, you know, and, and make a choice between us and another person. And, you know, hopefully that never happens to you, but in general, in genuine, like most people general, that's what I, was I got you. General, I got you, Admiral. Right. Don't worry. <laughs> in general, that's the way it should be. You yeah. know, if you can take two seconds to talk to somebody, you should do it. If somebody comes up to you and wants to have a conversation, you should have that conversation because man, you never know what's going on in that person's life. You just don't know, man. And, and sometimes talking to somebody, that was my biggest gripe with a lot of people that were like uh, doing a lot of stuff on Facebook is, you know, if I, if, if I saw somebody out and I'd be like, man, how are you? And it's kind of this whole like, uh, and then they walk away. Like, you know, you take two seconds to learn about that person. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's your duty as a, as a human, but with, with coffee, yeah, man, that is 100% it. It's, it's about traveling. It's about, I genuinely love walking into a station and learning about those people because every fire station, we are all the same in our, like in our souls, Yes. but the station and the people are all different, man. You never know what's going I went to one station where they finished their uh, dinner and then they move the table and then they fold their beds out of the walls in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> oh <my God>. that's insane. <laughs> You're talking old school right there, bud. Dude, I, I tell you, man, and it's, it's just cool. It's humbling to learn about people, man. It's, and it's always, I, I genuinely love it, man. Uh, I've always, you know, with, uh, rec recently, uh, we were able to help out some people, man. And I've always said like, you know, if you're able to do it, you should do it. And it's, it shouldn't be, I hate when people say like, you know, you, you, you get forward cause you get it, get it back 10 times. Like that's not why you should be giving people no. stuff. You no, you <laughs> give forward, you give yeah. forward. So it's paid forward. You don't ask yeah. for anything in return. Okay. And that's something people often forget. You know, it's the me, me too clause in a sense. If I do for you, you got to do for me. Well, whatever happened, just being genuine and doing for somebody because you care about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Some people, and then people get upset and I, and I've fallen into this every once in a while, but you do something for someone and they don't really show gratitude mm -hmm. and you're like, what the crap? Why don't they care? And it's like, I, they may care, but they may not, they may be embarrassed. Oh they yeah. Be embarrassed that you have to do this for them or, or whatever it is. So sometimes just stepping back and going, dude, I'm doing this because Damn, it feels great, man. It feels great to help other people. Well, you, know? you, you hit on a subject, and, and you know, we, we've uh, been talking about what's going on in current events, and, you know, we're leading into May, uh, which is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Mental Health Awareness Month, and last year... Uh, you put out a video, and I'm going to share it with the uh, audience for those who haven't seen it, which I, I couldn't imagine there are hardly uh, – there's hardly anyone that hasn't seen it, but I, I'm, we'll talk about it after the, after the video plays. Hey guys, my name is Jason Patton. I am an 11-year veteran firefighter. 
I'm also the creator of Fire Department Chronicles. I make funny videos for firefighters. Um, but May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And because of that, I wanted to tell you guys a story about myself, come to you guys with something that's a little more real, a little more um, honest with uh, how I felt in the past, especially since there's been so many firefighter suicides and so much mental health issues in first responders. And I remember after watching that video, I was standing in my living room just 10 feet away from here and I called you. I, I called you and you yep. answered on the second ring and, and you know, you were, Hey, what's up? What's up, dude? You know, or what's up, man? You know, your, your typical uh, Jason introduction or Jason uh, pleasantries. And I said, Hey, I just watched your video and, and, and looking into your eyes, I'm able to say this now, that video hit me to the core. It, it resonated with me and and the things that, you know, I don't I don't like to say the things I've seen in 20 years, but, you know, the emotional uh, aspect yeah. of 20 years in this profession and, you know, seeing some of the tragedy as well as the the the, the moments of success and, and, and those moments of, you know, true brotherhood and, and camaraderie, you know, they, they all swirl together in your head for the rest of your life, regardless whether you're in this profession or not. I mean, you talk to firefighters who get out of this profession in retirement and they're they're far worse off in some cases than, you know, just simply being engaged in the service daily. Um but oh, yeah. that's a whole nother aspect for a whole nother conversation. We're going to talk about what's going on right now. And let's talk about the COVID aspect and, and people who are in isolation, separated from their families, not able to engage with them for 14, 20, 30 days in some cases. Yeah. I mean, there's over 10,500 firefighters, not in quarantine, but that have either tested or been suspicious for, and, and several hundred have been in quarantine. We've lost six so far. Uh, one mm. that I know of from suicide uh, which would mm. be an EMS side. Uh, and then we mm. lost a doctor recently. I think uh, a head of the emergency department in a big hospital in New York recently took her life because of COVID. Mm. Tying mm. into May and, and listening to that message, what do you think we could be doing to support our brothers and sisters out there during this critical time? Uh, first off, I appreciate you saying that, man. Uh, I really do, dude. Because I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, it was funny, bro, because I'm very secure with myself and I'll tell people I'll cry, I cry and like everybody does, man. At some oh, point yeah. Time, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm totally secure with my feelings as a human. But um, as a firefighter, dude, I put that video together or a buddy of mine put the video together and I and I worked with uh, Banyan Treatment Centers to do it. Yep. And um, right before we were getting ready to put it out, I was like, dude, should I do this, man? Like, is this like, is this the right thing, dude? Are people going to look at me differently? And I was like, you know what? I hope they do. Yeah. I hope they look at me differently. So, um, we, uh, when I, um, I think with a lot of people, what we have to understand is that, yes, we are firefighters or we're, you know, uh, EMS personnel or police officers, military, whatever it is. But, you know, human connection is a monstrous thing to us, oh, yeah. you know? And I mean, not only is it a huge thing for us, we feel like we can save every person. And that is, that is something that is threaded through our, through our cells yep. is if we see someone injured, we want to go help them. If we see someone in a building, you know, uh, seeing dead people will, will bother you. Yeah. Hearing people suffer will make, will bother you 10 times more. A lifetime. Because, 
a lifetime. You'll hear those things for the rest of your life. Not the, I mean, dead people suck. You don't, especially depending on the situation or how they got there. But normally there's this little piece inside of your head that says like, okay, like they're at peace. Yes. But when you listen to someone suffer, man, forget it, dude. Oh, you're, yeah. you're not okay after. So I think right now the biggest thing is reaching out, FaceTiming people, trying to get some kind of communication. But I'll tell you this, man, um, I got quarantined for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Because uh, because I was sick and, you know, we just wanted to make sure I got test, tested. I was negative. It was great. But for my five-day period or whatever, um, my only my family was like, don't know, don't, do not come over. Like, even after, yeah. like, don't come over, nothing like that. And it was nothing against them. They're, they're not, they're just being, you know, cautious. Because, like, my mom, my mom's like, hey, just don't come over for a couple of days. You know, like, let, let's just make sure you are actually good, that kind of thing. Sure. But as a, as a you know, it's my mom, but as a human to hear someone reject you, even though it's not rejection, it's just saying, be, let's be safe. That's a big thing for a lot of people right now, man. They're like, Oh, I don't want to touch you. You see a stranger on me. Like, what's up? Or you see your friend, you want to give him a hug. And people are like, ah, you know, don't touch me right now. Whether or not you think you're taking it personally, subconsciously, a lot of people take that personally because they're, they think that it's about them. You know, so I go, think, yeah, go but, ahead. No, please go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, like, right now, it's 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 attempting to try to understand that this is it's this is insanity, man. This is brand new to everybody. So understanding there will be another side to this eventually, you know? Oh, and I can relate to every bit of that, actually. Not that I have been sick, um, but, yeah, I've come in contact with people that, uh, you know, have been suspicious for, tested for, no results back yet, have uh, been diagnosed with, and, you know, and they're in the late stages of this process. And then I've got to worry about my nearly 70-year-old father, uh, his wife, who is 72, uh, my mother-in-law, and then her beau, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, my wife's stepfather, uh, you know, he's 78 years old and has a lot of underlying yeah. illnesses. And, you know, I'm a social being. OK, I love interacting yeah. with people. FaceTime is great. Don't get me wrong, but I'd rather be sitting mm -hmm. on the porch with you right now, having a cigar, drinking a beer, having this conversation yeah. than via Zoom. The reality is when you can't see your loved ones, the impact that has even even in the short term, okay, I, I talk to my dad more now than I ever have before. And we do it on FaceTime because, you know, he'll sit there and want to talk for an hour or so. And it seems like if this is the best I'm going to get, I better get it. But at the same time, yeah. I'd rather just be sitting there with him, you know, eating Froyo at Sweet Licks, you know, and having a good old time with him <laughs> while he slings it out to the people in the land. Shameless plug for yeah. the father, by the way. So, yeah, let me tell you something. This is uh, this has been devastating in a lot of ways because I yeah. don't I feel like I'm the enemy in a sense because I'm the vessel that could carry this disease into the house. I mean, my own wife, I have to be cautious with her, with her history with cancer and, and her background. Yeah. So I there are some days I fear coming home and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way mm -hmm. I, i'm certain i'm not the only one that feels that way no it, it, you know and i think that's 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 a big thing for a lot of people bros they feel like themselves are the enemy you know the one thing i try to remind a lot of first responders is, and, and like my own family yes we can contract this it is possible but when you actually sit there and think about the sheer numbers of uh, who's disinfecting properly, who's protected. I would imagine in my own mind, this could be my own opinion that we're actually going to have a less of a risk of contraction, depending on how, how many patients you're coming into contact with. Sure. Because we're always, we always have masks on. We always have masks on the other patient, assuming you have enough PPE, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But, you know, and then with most of us, uh, we either change at work or we're, once we get home, we're doing the garage stripping thing, you know, taking our clothes off. And, you know, I just walk around my house naked, but that's just me. I'm weird. I, I, uh, I've but, got 17 uh, acres. I'm naked as well. So it's okay. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, no, but man, I'm telling you, you know what it is, is uh, change changes is very difficult for people in general because it's change. It's, it's something outside of their normal thought pattern or their own thought processes. So that's why this has been so difficult for people, especially for some dude, I got to tell you, I always said this. I don't drink a lot. I just don't, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's just, I just don't, I don't, uh, feel like I need it all the time. Sure. But if someone came up to me and said, you are not allowed to drink anymore. The first thing I would want to do is drink. That's I mean, <laughs> plain and simple. If I can't do it, I'm going to show you. I can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's just the way my brain is. Right. And a lot of people are like that. Sure. So I think when the, when people came out and said no more leaving your house for a lot of people, they were like, you know, man, you know, I was stuck in my house uh, between a Kelly day and the quarant- in the quarantine about, about seven days, eight days. And on the eighth day, I was like, Jesus Christ, put me back in work. Like whatever I need to do, just put me back at work again. <laughs> so, cause I wanted to get out of my house. You I, know, I remember about a, a week into this whole uh, change in, in lifestyle, uh, that process that took yeah. place. I, I hurt my back at the fire station. It was a legitimate, uh, what the hell? How did that happen? I couldn't tell you how I hurt my back. It's just one minute I'm there and the next minute it's like, oh, I'm locked. I can't move. And yeah. I remember going in for my follow-up appointment and they had given me steroids, you know, and I take, you know, a couple of medications, one of them being Adderall. So my body's already jacked up and ready and I'm fired and primed. And, you know, they start checking my vitals and I've got a little bit of a temperature and my blood pressure's mm-hmm. up and I'm tachycardic. And the guy's looking at me and he's like, Okay, in a Russian voice too, and I can't, I cannot, I cannot impersonate it well enough. But it was just the look on his face. It's like you could tell he thought for sure he was going to probably have to mask me up and put me in a Tyvek suit or something. <laughs> I'm like, relax, man. I promise you, I'm good. I'm good. And sure enough, That's I was so good. Fun. I was good. But yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about Banyan. Let's talk about your involvement with Banyan. You also came out. Um, well, it was earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or yeah, just January, late last yeah. year. Um, mm-hmm. So earlier this year, it was January, that's right. And you lined with Banyan, and that was a timely process to get you engaged with them completely. And, you know, there's quite a few people out there that we know together. I mean, we know Marie Guma, we know Bull yeah. Hill, we know several, mm-hmm. you know, great people out there engaged. And Banyan is uh, another phenomenal center. And I know you wouldn't have put your branding or your face to that center if you didn't have a true belief in it so let's talk about the why and what it does so uh you know i I own a comedy cpr company and um i i've taught a lot of treatment facilities because where i'm at south florida is like the treatment capital of the world um so i would teach cpr to a lot of these facilities and for a long time i would go into all these places and you know unfortunately there's a lot of very poorly run places and they were just in it for the money kind of thing so once uh when i really started getting involved with the mental health portion i you know i got all these guys that are like yo i I'm not going to get treatment. Like, screw that. I'm not, I don't drink that much or, or, you know, my my mental health isn't that bad. And then once they do that, they get to the point where they're like, all right, I'm going to get fired, get a DUI. My wife's going to leave me or I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were like, but where am I going to go? I'm not going to one of those treatment places. Like they're a shithole. I picked up 65 patients from there. 
So, you know, for me, I was like, I got to find a place. And I had a few places approach me and they're like, we want you to represent us. I'm like, well, I'm not going to represent you until I know what's going on. So it took me about a year, man, about a year of like researching these people and making sure they're doing the right thing. And I wanted to be aligned with someone who was nationwide based and not just Florida. So, um, Banyan's been around for uh, about five years or so. Um, They've expanded greatly in the last two or three years. But when you talk about these people, and this was the number one seller to me, when I would go to any place and I would say Banyan Treatment Centers, like that place is awesome. Yeah. All those places are awesome. Yeah. They're just, they, they're genuinely in it for the right reasons. Okay. Um, and uh, so I aligned with them, man, because we started working with big names like Ali Rothrock from On and Off the Job. She's sure. actually training. Yeah. I mean, she's training them on, on, um, how to deal with first responders properly. Um, and then we created crew, um, and crew is all crew is, is treatment modalities that are specifically proven to help first responders. Okay. Um, what I did not want is I never want to deal with a place where you walk in and there's a fire truck sitting in the freaking right in the middle of the, you know, the lobby. I would probably run away. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, because you got it. Like, unfortunately, therapy and treatment is not, it's not a one size fit all. It's no. not, I mean, nothing is like that, right? And for some people, this is really difficult to say, but it is the truth. The brotherhood has not been good to them. And the brotherhood is the reason they're in the place kind of thing. So yeah. we always, we always want to make sure that when we look at the person, we treat them as a human and then the first responder aspect. Sure. Because, man, someone brought it up to me one time, and I never even thought of it this way. Some people might become firefighters or police officers or go into the military because they had a lot of bad shit happen to them when they were a kid. Mm-hmm. They created their PTSD or whatever it was and then tried to make themselves feel better by saving lives. So, And then it just, just ran its way right into their life. Oh, Lord. Well, and you mentioned something that hit close to home as well for me. I've got a friend who is the prime example of the brotherhood turning against him. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, he battled alcoholism throughout his youth and, uh, you know, his service and his time in the fire service as well. And, you know, it cost him everything. It cost him his job. It cost him his family. It cost him his livelihood, his happiness um, in and out of rehab multiple times. And you would think that the one group that we're supposed to be, you know, the most supportive of those individuals, you know, we take care of each other. I preach this and I mean this. We are our brothers and sisters keeper. We have to be. If we're going to go into a fucking burning building with them and be expected to pull them out there's no difference in being you know being an alcoholic a functioning alcoholic they're they're heading down a path of disaster so we've got to be able to recognize that that stigma shouldn't exist it's no different it's going to lead inevitably to one thing their demise so we got to be ready to step up and save them you know battling these issues we have to get ahead of them we have to acknowledge them we cannot live in the alpha dog mentality and allow it to rule the mindset of the pack that you're a weak link if you have an issue with alcoholism you're a weak link if you have an issue with pills you are a weak link if you don't align with us that's not okay all right so i gotta say this is uh this is something that i hear more often than not it just disappoints the shit out of me when i hear these stories it's sad but you know it's kind of like getting mad at it's kind of like you know you can't get mad at a group of people for the being the way that they are when they've been brought up to be that way. Sure. Like, you know, that's the unfortunate part is that firefighter. I'm telling you, 
it, it will take time and I'm seeing that I'm seeing the culture turn. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's going to take time because the people, the people that are doing the bads that, that are telling other firefighters, you know, F you man, this is just what you deal with, bro. You know, or, or police officers or military personnel, those people that have that so seated in their brains, mm-hmm. they're slowly making themselves out the backside. And you know, and I'll say this a million times. If you're crying every single shift, you need help. Like oh, absolutely. you need to maybe not be a first responder, bro. If like if everything makes you cry, bro, then this is just not for you. No, not um, at all. But, yeah. But if you see a bad call and you need to talk to somebody, great. Like awesome. It doesn't make you weak. And it, and if you think it does, then unfortunately the people around you have, have made bad choices. Um, but it really comes down to one thing, man be who you are, right? Who gives a shit? If the guy next to you, if you're like, you know, oh, man, I, that wasn't okay. I, I didn't really like that call. And the guy's like, quit being a pussy. Like, you know, that, that's not a good person. Like that, that dude is not a good human, like not, and he's not good for you. So you know what? That's where you stand up for yourself. Hey man, that doesn't make me that way, bro. That wasn't okay. What I saw. And cool. I got to tell you, man, eight out of 10 times, a lot of people will change their tune. A yeah. lot of people will be like, yeah, you know, man, maybe you're right, dude. Like, Cause it's just an auto response to them. That wasn't okay. Stop being weak. Mm-hmm. If you smash that auto response, maybe it is okay. Dude, that may actually change their life, bro. Oh, you know what? You're right, dude. And maybe not just, I, maybe, maybe that wasn't okay. Not just change the life, but I was going to get to this and you hit it head on. Change the culture overall, the mindset, yeah. the culture embedded in that mindset. That'll change if you, do exactly what you said, stand up and fight back because you know what? Yeah. You, you don't have to be the victim. Okay. There's no need to be no need no. to be at all. Um, that being said, I want to, I want to get some closing thoughts from you uh, back to COVID back to our brothers and sisters. Let's send some positive reinforcement out there for the troops and uh, the troops in contact. I guess you can say the first responders, the, the tip of the spear is uh, chief Ludwig would say, what can we say to boost yeah. their morale uh, in the coming months since we know we're returning to normal? Yeah. And that's what it is. We're returning to normal. This has been crazy. Like it's been insane. It's been a learning process, but 100% I can honestly say, uh, 99.9% of the time, any, any time that I have come up to something that I thought was the end of myself or the end of whatever I was doing, I, I sat there, I let it run through. And then I always came out on the other side, either learning something or better than I did before. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. You're, we are going to come out the other side a thousand times different than we were before. And if it hasn't changed anything around you, then just be thankful. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping for uh, the counties and uh, in, in the cities and in, in the state in general to uh, come back stronger than ever as well. You know, I think that there's that possibility. I think that uh, we learned a, valu- a very valuable lesson uh, from COVID, mm-hmm. uh, just like with any pandemic we've ever been through, experienced in our lifetime or any natural disaster. Um, yeah. You know, 9-11, we mentioned this the other day in a different podcast. You know, we have we are a resilient culture that will find its way back to a normal path, okay? A normal pathway of life. It's just going to take time, and these are the awkward, uncomfortable moments. And you got to know that we're here for you. If you guys, you know, ever seem uh, down or you need to reach out, you can always find me on the Can Man. You can reach out to me on the Facebook page, the Instagram page. I don't care. If you need to talk, talk to me. I'm glad to have a chat with you. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just a guy. 
you know, with an open mm-hmm. ear. And, 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 you know, that's just something that I feel more people should be offering to their brothers and sisters out there, you know, is that ear, because sometimes it's that ear that'll help make the difference in the long run. 100%, man. And, and the last thing I'll say is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to botch this quote, man, but it was such a cool quote and it was so true. Dude, and it's total, it's total, like, uh, I don't even a tree hugger kind of stuff, but I think it's awesome, dude. Um, uh, you know, the caterpillar thought it was dying when it, uh, went into its cocoon and then it, then it sub- or came out a butterfly. Like it, it, this, these people a lot of times think that their life is ending or that everything that they know is done. And then they come out the other side, a completely different thing that they were, man. And that, and sometimes you just appreciate it and sit there and watch, you know, the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into the butterfly. What a great way to close the show out, Jay. So listen, man, I'm so grateful you came on the show today. You are, uh, you know, a good friend. Uh, you've been there for me. You've listened to me when I've had my moments of crisis and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, keep doing what you do. Keep putting out those great videos, making people laugh and smile because you know what humor is probably some of the best medicine there ever was and ever will be. So with that, I want to thank you again for being here. This was a great episode. It'll be out here soon. And well, by the time you hear it, you'll already know it's out. So wait for more good content. And as always, you are your brothers, your sister's keeper. Keep your head on a swivel and uh, just be ready to lead every day you step through those doors into that fire station. Be a good example of what this profession is all about. So God bless and we'll see you on the other side listening to the show guys and if you want to look for more content out there from some great firefighters on some awesome podcasts go check out some of my friends starting with my good friend steve green from the five alarm task force and my good buddy rob Pollock from flow invent the down to fight fire podcast out of british columbia canada a sa matters with dr richard gassaway my good friend ryan pennington from west virginia with jump seat radio and that jump seat radio nation Pin the Q, Code 3, Do Work, The Thin Red Line with my brother Captain John Haywick out of Passaic as well, The Fire Rescue Show, The Average Jake Firefighter, and of course, John Spira and the Fit to Fight Fire podcast. Go check these brothers out as they put great content out there and they're going to appreciate your support. See you on the next one. You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the Can Man Radio Show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows he knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams.